Good evening. Amazing technology, I tell you. Hopefully it won't buzz me. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here in Florida. And when I flew in and I saw palm trees, that's just like a dream. <laughs> Where I come from in Canada, I still left some snow back in my driveway. And uh, you guys don't know how blessed you are. I would invite you to come and spend a few days to shovel my driveway. And then come back and see how blessed you are to just walk out in, 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 in heaven, almost. You know, it's really wonderful. Um, this evening, I want to talk about your call from God. Your call from God. And maybe we can have a brief prayer as we go into uh, this uh, Bible study. Father in heaven, Lord, we invite your presence once again in our midst. And I pray for energy. You know, I'm a little tired, but give me energy. In and I pray that you may take away all selfishness from my heart or anything that may keep you from being shown today. Please, Lord, speak to our hearts and help us to have a more clear picture of what you would have us to do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your call from God. If you have a Bible, if you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 is a very sad chapter, probably one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. Because we go from heaven, basically, everything is perfect, to the beginning of sorrow and pain of what we are facing today. And in Genesis chapter 3, men sin, Adam and Eve, and they're running from God. And we see a picture of God. And you would think that after God has invested so much in their happiness, and they mess everything up, that He would be running through the garden, looking for them with a belt, to be able to, you know, chastise him. But that's not the picture of God that we see here in Genesis 3. We see that God is walking. So he's, first of all, he's not running to go and punish them, but he's walking. And in verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the tree of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, what? Where art thou? Did God know where he was? What do you think he asked that question? Sometimes God asks questions more for us than for him. You know, for us to stop and to think. Um, even, I don't know if you remember in the Bible, when Jesus, when Judas comes to betray, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asked him, why are you come? Now Jesus knew exactly why Judas came, and Judas knew that Jesus knew why he came. That makes sense. <laughs> but he still asked to try to help him to stop in his track and to think, what am I doing? But I guess it didn't work. God's call. Here we see the first example of God coming after man and calling them. And I believe that even though we are many thousands of years afterwards, that God is still calling us. 
God is still calling us. And tonight I want to look at three specific calls, three specific calls from the Bible, from God to us. You know, when I was younger, my father is a, um, for many years, he was a minister or pastor in Adventist church. And one thing that I have to, to say that he was very faithful in is worship time in the morning. You know, if if we had to miss our bus for school, then we would have to miss our bus, you know. <laughs> but we could not miss uh, worship. And when we got a little bit older as teenagers, you know, we don't sometimes when you want to live the life of the world, you don't think that those kinds of things, you know, you would rather sleep than wake up and do worship, right? But every morning, faithfully, every single day, his call to worship is that he would go in the living room and he would open his hymn book and he would start singing. And that was a cue that worship is starting. And you know, when we were in our teenage years, at that point, he didn't force us to come. You know, it was for our own desire. And I'll be honest with you, when you stay up late as a teenager watching TV or whatever on the phone till midnight, one or two, you do not feel like waking up at six in the morning you know, to worship God. <laughs> and I remember every morning when I would hear the, 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 his voice singing, I would roll back in my bed and try to, to, to put the pillow over my ear and says, no, I don't want to go. But a soft voice kept speaking. You should go. You should go. And every morning, ah, and I would throw my sheet back and I would go up there. And once I start singing, I'd get into the spirit of worship. And you know, I believe that that did more than anything to safeguard my own soul during my teenage years. You know, when you're a teenager, it's a matter of sometimes just one choice where you say, no, I'm going to do what my friends do. And no matter what, and you lose the respect of your parents. And it's, it's a gradual hill, but you have to make that decision one day. But I never got to that point. Always that worship, that soft calling every day to come back, come back, come back, kept planting a seed in my heart. And I believe God calls, God's call is exactly like that. It is not loud. It is not strong. Most of the time it is very quiet in a still small voice. In Messages to Young People, page Ministry of Healing, page 509, it says, Christ is ever sending messages to those who listen for His voice. You know, sometimes you may be wondering, is God calling? Is God speaking to me? Well, it says, for those who are listening, God is ever sending messages to you. Sometimes the problem is that we cannot hear. Maybe we are not listening. The first call this morning is found in Luke, cha in Gen in Luke chapter 5. If you can turn with me there. Luke chapter 5, looking at verse 32. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, I came not to call the righteous, but the who? But the sinners to what? To repentance. So the first call this evening is a call to repentance. A call to repentance. Repentance, according to Steps to Christ, it's 
includes sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. We shall not renounce sin unless we see its sinfulness. Until we turn away from it in heart, there will be no real change in the life. And so the first call is a call for repentance. Repentance meaning that you are sorry for your sin and you turn away from the sin also. In Romans chapter 2, if you can turn with me there, we have another aspect of repentance. Romans chapter 2, Paul speaking, Romans chapter 2 verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, speaking of the riches and goodness of God, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? To repentance. And so we see that the first call, Jesus comes to earth and he says, I did not come to call the righteous or those that don't think that they need anything. I came to call those that realize that they are sinners and I came to call them to what? Repentance. In Romans chapter 2, we find out that repentance is not something that you muster up. It's not something that you try to get within yourself. But repentance comes as you behold the goodness of who? Of God. The goodness of God is what leads you to repentance. As we behold God in His Word, something starts happening in our hearts. Every page, every story, every verse reveals us something about the goodness of God. And that is what leads you to repentance. Or should I say, that is what leads you to deepen your repentance. Satan knows that. Satan knows that the more of the goodness of God that we behold in His Word, the more sorry we are for our sins, and the more decidedly we are in turning away from it. It is an important key. So Satan doesn't care if you sin and ask forgiveness, and sin and ask forgiveness, and sin and ask forgiveness, and sin and ask forgiveness. As a matter of fact, that actually plays in his favor because... You know, if you keep sinning and ask forgiveness and sin and ask forgiveness and sin and ask forgiveness, there comes a point where your heart becomes hard. Meaning you sin and you ask forgiveness without experiencing true repentance, without experiencing a true sorrow for sin and a turning away from it, then it becomes simply like a transaction, like taking money from a bank or from like sneezing, something that simple that I sin and tonight I just ask forgiveness. And I live on my life, trying to ease my conscience. Satan wants that. Why? He wants you to sin and ask forgiveness without experiencing repentance. And the way that he does it is by keeping you from spending time in God's Word. That's the bottom line. You know, I have realized in my life that if I spend time in God's Word, even if sometimes I don't understand what I'm reading, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't understand what I'm reading. Sometimes when I read God's Word, I do not find it always relevant. Sometimes I read and I, I don't understand what I'm reading. I feel even, should I say, on some parts of the Bible, I find more boring than others. But I still read it. I read it because when I read and I keep reading and I keep searching, something starts happening. Number one, I start to understand it. Number two, it starts to become relevant. And number three, something starts happening in your life that you start loving and respecting God even more. And there has this, this beholding of God 
leads you to a deeper repentance. So here we have beholding Christ in His Word. And the beholding Christ in His Word allows us to see His goodness. And when we see His goodness, as we behold Christ in His Word, the Holy Spirit starts doing something in our lives that we start experiencing true repentance. And so we behold Christ a little bit more in His Word. And so we see more of His goodness. And so our sorrow for sin is deeper. And so we behold more and we see more of His goodness. And, our, and you understand it's like a cycle and that you actually start feeling sorry for the sins that you used to commit over and over and over again. And there was no more feelings anymore. It was just, I guess I just sinned, blew it, and yeah, forgive me, Lord, one more time. But now, as you are beholding Christ, and as you're seeing His goodness, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts impressing your heart. And what used to be a hard heart becomes soft. And you start actually feeling sorry. And your stand against sin starts becoming stronger and stronger if we start by beholding Christ where? In His Word. I remember um, a few years ago I was giving Bible studies to a couple and I like to share this experience because it shows how there is power in the Word of God. There is power in the Word of God to experience repentance. I, I was giving studies with um, Bible studies with a couple. The the woman, it was a, a woman and a man and his wife. And the man seemed a little bit more quick, but the woman just didn't seem to catch it. And every day she just couldn't get to the point where she could surrender her life to God. That was the bottom line. So for for six months, literally six months, every week I would get back into that home, and we would start. At John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I guess one of her problems is that she was um, sexually abused when she was younger, and that was a big issue for her, that she somehow saw God as a tyrant, and, and there was a whole emotional thing tied into it, that she could not see herself surrendering her life to God, and she just thought God would punish her or whatever. I guess she felt guilty for what had hap- happened. And time after time, I kept coming back with the Word of God. And we would just open the Word, open the Word, and try to see the goodness of God through the Word. Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. And I remember distinctly, one day, I drove up to the house, and I parked my car, and I said, Lord, am I wasting my time? I've been here for six months. And by now we should be studying. By now they should be baptized, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but every month, every week, I come back and we are going through the same thing. Lord, honestly, I think I can do something better with my time, with your time, and with their time. And so I remember I put the car in reverse and I was ready to go back home. And a voice spoke to me and says, John, go one more time. And I remember I, just a split second, there was a decision of just going or staying. And I decided, no, I will stay. And I parked the car and I turned it off and I went in. And we started John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So who loved the world? Was it Jesus or God? It was God. God the Father? Yes, God the Father. So God the Father, put your name in there. And went through everything I could think of 
to help this woman understand that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, everyone loves her and that she can trust them to give her life over to Him. In the middle of the conversation, I don't know why, she looked at me and she says, Jonathan, you know my husband is not the same anymore since you started coming. And the husband's right there. And I say, what do you mean? She says, you know, my husband used to beat me and swear and cuss and lose it. But he doesn't beat me anymore. He doesn't cuss anymore. He treats me like a queen. My husband is not the same anymore. And the husband is right there. And I feel very uncomfortable (laughs) because I don't know if he's going to lose his Christianity at that point, you know. (laughs) But... I looked at the husband, and the husband looked at me, and he turned red like a beet. And he looked at her, and he looked at me, and I thought he was going to slap her or something. And he beat his hand on the table and says, No, it's not true. (laughs) And she says, Yes, it's true. You're not the same. You change. He says, No, I didn't change. I didn't change. Then he started crying. He says, Jesus, change me. And he just weeped like a baby. And I left that home and I said, man, there is power in the Word of God. That as we behold Christ in His Word, something starts happening. We see the goodness of God. And when we see the goodness of God, a heart that you would think is not is impressible, something that cannot be moved. And for your own experience, you may think that I have struggled with a certain sin or a certain problems for for years, and there's nothing that can be done. There's no hope for me in that case. You'd be amazed at what spending time beholding Christ in His Word will do as you start manifest, seeing the goodness of God. You will experience a deeper sorrow for sin and a stronger turning away from it. The first call, a call for repentance. The second call today is found in Isaiah chapter 6, if you can turn with me. Isaiah chapter 6. This is the story of Isaiah that sees the glory of God. He sees the the beauty of God and and His glory and His goodness. And and he just feels that he... um, He loses it, basically. And in Isaiah chapter 6, we can pick up in verse verse 5. Isaiah's reaction when he sees the goodness, the, the, the glory, the power of God. He says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so here he sees, he starts experiencing a sorrow for his sins, a realization of it, a sorrow for his sin. Verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is what? Purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I what? Here am I, send, send me. And so the second call this evening is a call to service. 
those two calls always go hand in hand. When God calls you to repentance and you experience a sorrow for sin and a turning away from it, a cleansing from your sin, right away, right away, there is a call to service. There is a call to service. In Messages to Young People, page 219, it says, Not more surely is the place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions than is the special place designated on earth where we are to work for God. So God has a mansion with your name in heaven. But what He's saying is that, I have a mansion for you in heaven with your name on it, inscribed in gold or whatever it is. But I also have a specific place where you are to work for God here on earth. God is calling us for service. In Mark chapter 5, you can turn with me there. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus had just healed um, a man possessed with, I guess it's legions of demons. And, you know, the the, the demons go into the pigs and the villagers come and, and they're all angry and they want Jesus to leave. Well, Jesus says, okay, he's going to go. And in verse 18, Mark 5, 18, it says, And when he, Jesus, was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He didn't just say, look, can I just hop in with you and spend a day or two? The guy is on his knees and pleading, please, Jesus, let me come with you. How be it, verse 19, Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. The second call is a call to service. A call to service. I'm not talking about an academic or a professional career. I believe that that is different from a calling from God. You, God may call you to use your gifts, your talents, or your education in his field for his service but he may decide not to use it and I think that is where we are personally I believe that's where we err a lot as young Christians we are not the ones to tell God where we are to work in God's field God is the one that is to tell us what we are supposed to do the majority of Seventh-day Adventist young people in our day and age that are Christians meaning they are good Seventh-day Adventist Christian they will decide what they will study, they will decide what they're going to do, and then they're going to say, God, please, I'm good at this, I like to do this, I seem to have talents in this, so this is what I'm going to do, and Lord, I ask you, please bless me. But I believe that we need a different brand of young people, older people too. I believe we need people that will say, God, I like to do this, I'm good at doing this, I have talents in this, and I have an education in this, but God, what do you want me to do? And Lord, if you are willing me to throw away my diploma and it becomes useless, and if you want me to give up these talents that I believe I can only use in this section of the work, I am willing to do that. Lord, what would you have me to do? I believe that when we start as a young person from that perspective, with the possibility that God just might call us to do what we are not wanting to do or what we don't really even have a thought that we want to do, then power can start flowing through us because there's no channel, there's no, there's no, no obstruction in the channel anymore. There's no preconceived ideas or plans that we already have. It's fully God and God alone. 
there's a belief in our church that says thou art called to what you are good at, what you enjoy, what is fun, and what is easy. But I believe that that is false. The Bible tells us that if any man will come after me, let him deny him cross, his self, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The man here in the story was on his knees pleading, saying, Jesus, I want to go with you. I believe, Jesus, that is the way I, that's what I, I've only met you for a few minutes. How am I going to go and talk about, I need training, I need education, I need, and Jesus says, no. What I want you to do is I want you to go. I'm sure it was hard for that man to go, but he went. He went anyways. And if we read a little bit later in the Bible, it's amazing what happened is that he went and he published everywhere. And when Jesus came back the next time, so many people believed as a result of this missionary. The perfect example is Jesus Christ. I don't believe it was fun for Christ to be ridiculed. I don't believe it was easy for him to be tempted. I, didn't believe he, I don't believe that he <laughs> went to school to learn how to hang on a cross. But he still did it because that's what he was called to do. Now I want to put a balance to this. I believe that whatever God has called you to do, he will equip you. I believe that whatever God has called you to do, He will give you a love for it and that He will give you some to enjoy it. But it may not necessarily be so at the beginning. He may call you to something that you don't like to do at the beginning, <laughs> something that you don't see yourself do. But because He wants you to fulfill a specific need. You know, I am a literature evangelist. And I don't know if you know much about literature evangelism, but what we do is that we go from door to door. And we knock on doors. And we sell Christian books to people. And we meet people that otherwise would never know about God. Most people in the community will never come to your church. So you have to go to them. That's the bottom line. But you can imagine that it's not an easy work. Because you go to the door and you knock on the door and you get people that slam the door and people that shout at you and people that cuss at you and people, and people that are nice to you too. <laughs> And when you're at the door, you are a nobody. I mean, I don't care how much diploma you think you have. Or, when you come to that door, you are a salesperson. And they don't, they don't know you are a literary evangelist, an ambassador from the King of Kings. They think you're, you're just a pest. And you need to get out of here. And so when they open the door, their thought is, how do I get rid of this person? <laughs> it's not an easy work. But I've, I've seen too many people's lives change. I personally, though I'm young, have seen many people get baptized as a result of this ministry. And I know that it's still God's work. However, I had done literature evangelism I, through high school and even college. Paid my way through school through it. And I had different offers to do other things. And this, honestly, I'll be honest with you, was the last thing I wanted to do. Because I said, I think I have done my time. There's many people that have never done this and I've served you, Lord, faithfully in this ministry. But to be rejected of men for the rest of my life, that is not something that I really find attractive in my thoughts, right? And you know, this pays more and, and this is all ministry that I'm talking about. These are not robbing a bank and you know, this is, this is all ministry that I have options. And, and so surely the Lord would want me to have something more stable, something you know, where my income is well, you know, calculated and somewhere where I, 
I can be more respected and, and so forth. And I remember it was a struggle because I sensed that this is what God wanted me to do. And in my mind, it's like, then why did I go to college? If this is what you want me to do, I could have done that before. <laughs> and I remember one night, I walked out. I just walked and walked, and I didn't know where I was walking. I was just walking. And I walked through this forest, and finally I came to this clearing. And it was just a big clearing with just trees all around. And it was night, and I could see the stars, and I could see the the moon, and, and I just started talking with God and just fighting or struggling, trying to find every reason why I should not do this, why it's not a good idea to do this. <laughs> but you know, after hours of praying and pleading and crying, I said, Lord, I don't see the way I don't see how I can do this. But Father, if this is what you want me to do for the rest of my life, I am willing. And as soon as I said that, the peace that flooded my soul. I can't explain it. The only time I experienced that before was when I first gave my heart to God. And I tell you, the reason it was such a struggle for me is because some of you have a more maybe outgoing personality. But my personality was and still is a little bit very shy. I used to be extremely shy when I was young. And so this work was like the most difficult thing you could ever ask me to do. I remember when I first started it, every night I would wait for everybody else on the team to go to sleep and I would cry myself to sleep. says, God, I can't do this thing. But I tell you, when God calls you, He enables you. And slowly, as I begin to do what God asked me to do, He started to give me courage. I could never stand up here and speak to you to, like I am right now. Never. But God gave me the ability to speak, to have courage to be able to love people. And perfect love casts out fear. I'm the perfect example that God does not always call you to what you're good at, to what you like to do, to what you enjoy, to what you learn or went to school for. <laughs> but God calls you where the need is the greatest. And He also calls you where He can save you. And I believe that if it wasn't for this ministry, this ministry that keeps me on my knees day by day. I don't know where I would be. I really don't know where I would be. The first call is a call to repentance. God calls us to behold Him in His Word. And the more that we behold Him in His Word, something starts happening. We start coming face to face more and more with the goodness of God. The more that we behold the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit starts doing something in our lives cause us to experience repentance. Our repentance gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Our sorrow for sin becomes more genuine. Our turning away from sin becomes more decided. And as we experience repentance, something else comes. There's a, a call, maybe soft at first, and a little louder, and a little louder. And it's a call to service. 
And I tell you, if you do not have a call to service, I may be wrong, but my suggestion is maybe you need to go back on your knees and into the Bible and truly experience repentance. I'm telling you, because when you experience repentance, the call always comes, always comes. And so repentance, deeper repentance, call for service comes. And a third call, the third call. The third call is found in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I don't have biblical, well, should I say I did not <laughs> take the time to biblically um, discover this, this theory of mine. But I have a theory. And so you can trash it if it's not good, alright? But this is a theory. That God calls us to repentance. That part is not theory. And after repentance, He calls us to what? Service. And I believe that after God calls us to service, He tests us. And He tries us before He can bless us. After He calls us to service, almost always there's challenges, trials and tests that come to see if He can trust you with the blessings that He has in mind for you. In Matthew 24, verse 13, the Bible says, after speaking about all of the things that are happening now, I believe, in the last days and things that will happen, it says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be what? Shall be saved. The same shall be saved. The last call is a call to endurance the call to endurance. I believe that many have failed in their Christian walk in this point because they have experienced and they have seen the goodness of God and it's amazing to meet a new Christian, a new Christian and on fire for God. But I know some of these new Christians that have started out their walk when I was, when I surrendered my heart to God. Some of them are not walking in the light anymore. And I say, what happened? And I believe this is the point where they have failed. They have failed because they did not persevere. They did not endure. Many reasons why people don't persevere. Maybe one reason is just they just got tired. Tired of, 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 of the trials, tired of the tests. Tired. And maybe they got tired because they started doing everything in their own power instead of relying upon God. Some people don't persevere because they get hurt along the way. Some people don't persevere because they are deceived to think that small things don't matter. And you know what? If there's something that you know, to him that knoweth to do good, but doeth it not, to him it is sin. And I tell you, it could be something so small. It could be something so small. It could be just something, even something that you are convicted that you should not even, let's say, eat. But everybody around you eats it, the pastor, the elder, whatever. But you have a conviction that, you know, you should stay away from this. I have seen in my life, I don't know about others, that when I have violated my conscience on this one small thing, small thing, looking at others from my standard and not listening to the Spirit of God, slowly but surely, my spiritual life starts going down. Because now it's not, I'm not doing everything God wants me to do. I'm doing this, 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 but Lord, not this. That's the only small, 
Huh, small thing. And that's where Satan comes in. And when he comes in, you give him an inch and he takes a mile. The last call is a call for endurance. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. You know, in my work, um, I remember meeting a, 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 a mother that had, I believe it was five or six children. And when you're doing this work, especially in Canada where there's a lot of atheists, it's so refreshing to meet a Christian. It's just like, a, like kimchi if you're Korean. I don't know. <laughs> I can't explain it. But it's like wonderful. And to meet a Christian that's on fire for God, and, and she loved the Lord, and she wanted to raise her children to love and to fear God. And so what she did is she bought the Bible stories, and she bought tons of books from me, like $800 worth of books. And I was smiling from ear to ear when I left that place. <laughs> and she didn't have the money all at once, so she gave me posted checks. And as the money cleared, over the next few months, I would bring her her books. And when the last check came to clear, it bounced. And so I had a set of books, and I didn't have money. And so I decided to go and see her. And when I came to the house where she was, the house was clean, swept, completely gone, empty. I said, man, that's strange. And so I tried all the numbers. I couldn't reach her. I tried maybe some people that she referred me to, couldn't find anyone that knew where she was with her children. And, you know, I, I kept doing my work. And a year later, somehow I found somebody that knew about her. So I said, hey, let me go and see this lady. So I decided, hey, I got in my car and I drove over there and I rang the bell and, the, and she opened up. There's the lady. But the lady I met one year later was a completely different lady than I met before. And, you know, we started talking and she says, you know, John, I don't believe in God anymore. I said, what? She says, you know, my husband left me for a younger woman. I lost my job. Haven't been able to pay rent here and they're going to kick me out in about a week or two. And she says, John, I get up in the morning and I open the lunch boxes of my children and I go to the cupboard and the fridge to find something to put in it. And I cannot find anything anything to put for my little kid as a God like that you can keep it you know <laughs> what do you say to someone like that oh lady you just need to believe that's what you need to do <laughs> what do you say I didn't know what to say I think that was one of my hardest objections I've ever faced she says I can't believe in a God like that and I said lady I don't know why your husband left you. I don't know why you lost your job. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that if you put your trust in God, He'll come through for you. He's never failed me. And I know He'll come through for you. I encourage you, lady, you must endure unto the end. You have a Bible. She says, yes, yeah, somewhere. She says, can you find it? She says, I don't know where it is. She says, can you send somebody to find it? So she sent one of her kids to go look for it. About 10, 15 minutes later, the kid comes back with a Bible, all kind of messed up, probably under 
clothes or something. And for the next three hours, I didn't know what I was doing. But I went from one promise in the Bible to another promise in the Bible to another promise in the Bible. God's Word is powerful, friends. I didn't have any words. I didn't know what to say. But I knew that if we could spend time in the Word, maybe, just maybe, she would start seeing the goodness of God. Maybe she would be encouraged to endure. There is power in the Word of God. I started sharing with her my own experience, my own testimony of how God changed my life when I started to spend more time in His Word and in a book called Desire of Ages. And I encouraged her, lady, endure, endure, persevere until the end. The next day I passed by and I left her a Desire of Ages. And I told her, this along with the Bible, read it. You may not find it relevant. You may find it boring at times. You may find you may fall asleep as you read it. But keep reading, because as you keep reading, you're going to start seeing the goodness of God. And when you start seeing the goodness of God, that will lead you to what? Repentance. And when you start experiencing repentance, God will call you. And when He calls you, endure, persevere. You know, I lived very far away. I hadn't moved by that time. And so a month later, when I came back to her place, and I rang the doorbell, gone. <laughs> Nobody. Empty. This was six years ago. Seven years ago. And every time I drive on the 401, which is the main highway in Toronto, and I see where her townhouse used to be, I always pray, Lord, be with Anne. I don't know where she is. I don't know what she's doing. But Lord, please, Help her to endure. Help her to hear the call. To spend time in your word. You know, a few months ago, I was in a church in Toronto and um, doing some promotion for literature evangelism. And I was walking down the aisle, a side aisle of the church, and I heard my name. I said, Jonathan. And I turned. This wasn't my church. I didn't know anybody there. And so there was tons of people there, so I just kept walking. I heard my name again, Jonathan. And I turned, and there was that lady. She says, Jonathan, you remember me? I say, you don't remember me? Her name was Sherry Ann. This is Ann. You know, the one that you came to your door? And she ran towards me. And she hugged me, and I hugged her, and there was tears in her eyes. You know, as we started speaking, it was amazing the joy that filled my heart to see her there. She says, you know, I'm here. I'm baptized in this church, and all my children are here with me in this church. And she says, you know, you were right. When I started reading, it was boring. <laughs> and I didn't always understand. And many times it was irrelevant. But she says, you know, as I started to see the goodness of God, as I started to see Christ in the desire of ages in the Bible, something started to happen in my life. She says, I can't explain it, but it changed me. You know, when I left that place, you could have given a million dollars to me, and I still would not have been happier. 
the joy that fills your heart when you see that someone has answered the call, the call to repentance, the call to service, and is answering the call to endurance. I believe that is what, what the Bible says when they say that the angels rejoice. Mm-hmm. And that day I experienced a little taste of what heaven is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for that. You know, many times I don't see the work or the results of the work. Mm-hmm. Friends, the appeal today is very simple. It's a call. God is calling you. God is calling me. The first call is a call to repentance. That maybe you are struggling with certain sins or maybe your focus is wrong. You're so tied up with the anxieties and cares of this life that you don't have time for God. I mean, you believe in God, you're on fire for God, it seems, but but maybe you're not spending enough time in His Word. And so the first call may be for you. The call is a call to spend more time in His Word. That's the bottom line. As you spend more time in His Word, something will start happening. You will start seeing the goodness of God. And then that will lead you to a sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. And the more you do that, the more you see goodness, The more, and you just keep doing that. And so what you have to do is maybe you have to wake up earlier. <laughs> maybe you just have to skip breakfast. I don't know what you have to do. But I have realized through statistics and my friends and my own life, and I've worked with the last 10 years tons of young people, and I've realized we just don't read our Bible. That's the bottom line. We'll read every other book about the Bible, but we won't read the Bible. We'll read one or two chapters, oh, I know this already. Or we'll read maybe, or we'll study maybe one, but really to spend time in the Word. Even among present true Seventh-day Adventist Christians, few spend quality time in God's Word. And I believe that is why there is no power in your life and power in God's church. The first call is a call to repentance. Maybe your problem is that you have experienced repentance, but you're not responding to the call for service. God has a specific place for you, friends. Don't even kid yourself that God somehow overlooked you in the process. (laughs) He loves you. He's called you to repentance. There's a place for you to serve in His field. And the last call is a call for endurance. Friends, when you serve God, there's trials. There's a lot of trials. There's a lot of temptation. I don't have to tell you. You know that. But friends, please, endure. Endure until the end. And when you're going to get to heaven, you're going to realize that heaven was cheap enough. If that is your desire to respond to these calls from God, please stand with me and let us pray that God will help us to experience these calls in our lives. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we have heard you calling us tonight, calling our name, as it were, to experience true repentance in our lives. You're calling us to true service and ministry. You're calling us to endure even unto the end. And Father, when I look even in my own life, I have seen where I have failed you in all of these calls. But Father, I believe that there's still hope for us. You see us who are standing here today, desiring to answer these calls 
these specific calls, desiring to stand, desiring, desiring to truly spend time until we can see your goodness and that your goodness may manifest a change in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. You see the desires of those that are standing, that are desiring, O oh Lord, for you to use them, to call them, to show them what is that or where is that specific place or ministry they are to labor for you. And Father, you see those that are standing because they just need strength to endure. Father, please do not pass us by. I know there are many people praying to you at this time. But see us who are weak, yes, sinful, but Lord, who are willing and desiring to serve you. Have mercy upon us. Bless us in accordance to our need. And may we seal this decision, not only in our hearts, but in the books of heaven. In Jesus' precious name.